Hey, thank you for checking in. I'm Dan Alpern, and this is Just Flapping About. just flapping about getting this podcast started and a little introduction of myself and our first guest. Pretty excited about that. So I mentioned in the first episode that this is a variety talk show focusing on redefining success, living well, paying it forward, and as always, keeping it real. So I'll be sharing my world, conversations with friends, some lessons learned, and support for everyday people from my perspective. I'm just an everyday person. So I've mentioned before, I've been lucky, lucky in life, love, health, with more than a few second and third chances, but this episode will be more of a bad example and cautionary tale. I've had no silver spoons or safety nets growing up, just resiliency, optimism, and a mostly honest effort to do better moving forward, and most importantly, some great friends. So what better place to start with our first guest than my first friend? We grew up laughing at our own inside jokes, and while she was my first adversary, should we talk about the toy camera incident? I've always tried to look out for her as a big brother should. She's been a rock in my life who kept me in touch with my values when I struggled as a young man and has amazed me with her focus and determination to succeed at motherhood. I asked her to join us today to discuss being happy living within your means and, as always, to help me keep it real. She's my sis, and as Elvis Costello sang, her name is Veronica, but I call her Coco. Welcome to the show. Thanks, bro. Sis, how you doing? Wow, I'm blushing after that introduction. That was really sweet. Oh, well, I think you know how much you've meant to me over my life, and, and it's really true that you've been my rock wherever I've been, where you've been has always really been home to me. Oh, man, you're going to make me cry. Oh, that's not the point. (laughs) Hey, you can take a moment to gather yourself. And and most of these people who aren't our friends don't know, but we grew up in Hollywood. And I won't get into all the details, but when I came home from the Navy, my sister and her husband now had a couch for me to surf on until I could get my feet on the ground. And... Like I said in my first episode, I've gotten second and third chances, and we've lived together more than once. So that's been uh, very appreciated. But what? Yeah, of course. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, my bro. My sis. Yeah, and, and that's what family should be. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Hey, we've been lucky. And what's most important is that we found ways to help each other in the times when we've needed it. So, I was thinking we've we've made a little tradition of trying to take some family vacations together, and bad example comes from our vacation last year with your son. 
I don't know if you remember when I was trying to give him some advice by the pool and I had to laugh at myself when I said, <laughs> all these things I'm telling you, I didn't do, right? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I do remember the uh, the pool. Oh, Cabana was nice. That, that was. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we had a lovely vacation at the Red Rock uh, Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, we did. We got a cabana and had all our friends and family come over and visit. And we had a great time. So, yeah. So we were trying to give the kids some advice. He's uh, getting ready to go to college. I don't know. Has he made a decision yet? No. Well, I guess we're we're narrowing it down to what colleges he's applying to. Okay. Well, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, you know, when the whole pandemic hit, I remember thinking this is horrible for these seniors. And then everybody was talking about the graduations, the proms, everything. And I really did sort of think it was this year. And now it's, you know, we're coming to terms with it's going to be affecting, affecting his senior year in a big way. Well, yeah, I think more importantly, it's going to impact a whole generation I think uh, yeah. we were certainly what they called, I guess, the disco generation, uh, the, me, <laughs> the the look at me. Uh, as much as I might want to say we're more the actual flower children left over from the hippie yeah. generation, right? We were the little kids yeah. that were growing up in the park. Growing up in the 70s, yeah. That's right. So, But I think with this generation, it's it's incredible because the generation right in front of them kind of seemed a little entitled and I don't have children and I'm just commenting on what I see happening. But this might be a good thing, I think. They might grow up understanding a little bit of hardship and understanding that things don't always go, you know, as best they can. Yeah, it's really hard to watch, I tell you what. Yeah, well, it's obviously going to define his experience, not having uh, a graduation, a high school prom, things like that. The college, you know, freshman experience, making new friends and uh, becoming an adult and spreading your wings and making your first mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his, his really good friend went to college and had the dorm experience. And then, you know, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Do you get that joke? <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> Are you an Avatar fan? I've seen it. I mean, I'm, I, I think you know I'm a big pop culture guy, right? Well, you know, it, recently the whole thing became available on Netflix. I think it was like at the beginning of summer. Oh, I did see maybe that. The end of, yeah. And so, you know, him and all his friends. And so by extension, <laughs> I rewatched the whole series. And it's... Uh, Everything changed when the national talk. So, yeah, he's seen and heard from his buddy this great, you know, living in the dorms, moving out of the house, you know, experience. And now it's not fabulous. So he's seen that, too. And he went from, uh, sorry, oh, my well, dog, Cody. Yeah. Are you on speakerphone? <laughs> I am. Okay. Take us off the speaker. We'll get better quality from you. Okay. Um, there you go remember from our vacation trip to Washington, which would be a, like a whole nother show, I'm sure. Uh, he was very enamored of big city life and very comfortable using the subway and kind of wanted to get out of the small town that we live in. And Absolutely. I remember. Yeah, I took I, I wanted to take you guys back to Washington, D.C. I was uh, 
as a young Navy uh, seaman, one of my first duty stations was to be an Honor Guard member. And I, I was proud to take you guys back and share my reunion with you. And I remember uh, he was saving us on the directions and uh, we yeah. were in the subway <laughs> system, the metro there, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. So now he can see the advantages of not living in a big city or on a college, uh, crowded college campus. Um, UW is one of the colleges that, you know, we were looking at and forget everything that's going on in Seattle. <laughs> the UW fraternity row had a COVID outbreak. So it makes you kind of um, <laughs> less inclined to think big college experience. Have you ever heard of Have you ever heard of Reed? I have heard of Reed, and yeah, the the small college experience is something to consider. But honestly, what's going to be the difference? Kids are still going to be kids. They're going to want to socialize. They're going to get together. And while a fraternity row makes sense to me on why there would be an outbreak there, I I imagine we're going to hear stories uh, from the smaller colleges as well. And just hopefully, people are going to be smart wherever they are and whatever the situation they're in moving forward. Yeah. Well, as an aside, you could certainly edit this if you wanted, but uh, Reed has a dual degree program with Caltech. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that made it really interesting to me. And it's got quite a history. (laughs) (laughs) And there, but uh, the thing that, you know, really piqued, uh, or I should say solidified my interest was that most of their dorm rooms were singles and so the social distancing mandate is not a big deal because you know everybody or most people have their own space it's like wow that's pretty cool that is pretty cool and that's interesting that'd make it a lot easier he would obviously have uh his privacy a sense of place and something uh a place that would almost be a refuge you know someplace he could trust was safe when he came home from school for the day you know it's a private they have a 14 to 1 teacher student ratio i was like wow and like all of their teachers teach they you know don't have like undergraduate teachers yeah it's a private college so anyway (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to him. I hope it's, he gets to go where he wants. It's changed him a lot. Yeah. And it's changed where, you know, he may, what the things that may shape the rest of his life in a big way. I mean, this, you know, this pandemic, is, it can happen. Well, let, let's talk about that for a minute. I mentioned that we grew up in the big city. We, we grew up in Hollywood when we were kids. And you ended up making a choice to leave the big city with your husband to go up to Oregon to a small town. And how have you reconciled that? And what are the positives and negatives now as you look back into the terms and times that we're in now? Yeah, well, you know, time, the perspective that time gives you is so important because up until very recently, I would have said 100% right decision, no regrets at all whatsoever. And what's because changed? I, um, well, I guess I recognize um, opportunities are much more. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Some people think like you get you know lost in the shuffle in a big city, but there's also a lot more opportunities. And just um, like you know, we grew up. And our family wasn't terribly affluent, though it may have seemed that way to other people. 
but we knew doctors. You know, right. there was a doctor that lived two doors down. There were retired people as well as young families and, you know, old, say it, Hollywood Hills area home. Um, and my son doesn't know any doctors socially or, or, you know, the professional people that he does know are... They're not a real part of his life, yeah. No, no. uh, I mean, you know, privately knowing people who are teachers or, um, but not, I just think there's a big difference. More exposure. um, More exposure to a higher level? Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's, you know, that's something I mentioned in the first uh, episode that for me, I've always tried to have friends that are better than me or that would enhance yeah. my life experience. So that's, I understand what you're saying. When you're a big fish in a small town, so to speak, like he is, because he's, he's certainly the cream of the cop scholastically. Um, no, no, there's others. They're, okay, well, I'm not saying he's the best. I'm just saying he's, he's there, right? But there's more yeah. competition when you're in a bigger place. You have more exposure. You get the opportunity to uh, see fields, disciplines, meet people that are in professions that you had no idea existed. I mean, I, it was certainly that yeah. way for us when we got to Hollywood, right? Yeah. But when I heard your first cast and you said that, I was like, wow, ooh, look at my bro saying profound things. <laughs> <laughs> Not profound, sis. Just Just speaking some truth. That's all. Yeah, yeah, just never thought about that. And that was like, ooh, that's good. I like that. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, because that's that's really what this is all about. I just, I'm at a place in my life, I don't have children, and I feel this strong urge to share. I think that's the right Hmm. way to say it. So this year, Karen and I made a promise to each other. Karen's my lovely wife. You'll talk to her soon. I'll introduce her in maybe the next episode. But we made a promise to each other to get more involved in our community. And while I've always been someone to be involved, more recently I've been involved with national efforts and I've lived here. I'm, I'm in Southern California in Port Wyoming, California for over 20 years now. And I hadn't done a lot locally. So this is the beginning of, uh, I, I joined a community service organization. I'm proud to say I was invited to join the Oxnard ambassadors recently. And this is the other half of that because my community certainly extends to more than a geographic location. And just talking, I've been encouraged by a lot of my friends. I've had information to share and ideas and thoughts. And I think nowadays, more importantly, is a lot of people don't remember anything. It's it's like I'm living in a bizarro world where I watch the news sometimes or the topic of the day. And I'm like, we've been through this before. And don't you guys remember what yeah. happened or that this person or that person said something that was completely opposite just a year or two ago? Come on, people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, th- so that's where this comes from. This is how people are these days, that commercials, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, we joke about that, but it's pretty scary. You know, Ian, Ian's happy to be on his video games, you know, on his computer, just screen, screen, screens. And I'm like, get outside, take a walk. It's so funny. I remember our parents saying that because I used to love to read. 
Yeah. So I was always indoors. Well, yeah, we both yeah, we both good. love to read. We used to devour books, and but there was always there was always that other half. We would also go out, and I remember spend days just lost in the hills by where we lived in the park, and uh, you know have to get the hauler when the lights came on at dark for dinner, right? That would carry up yeah. the canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were always a lot more social though, uh, and I feel like Ian has really taken after me in the you know. I mean, time is just flying by. I'm just staying at home, going out when I have to, and not, you know, yeah. not doing a lot. Just like the last couple of weeks, getting together with other people once in a while. But, oh boy, so a lot of time at home and not, you know, not being out. Yeah, that is that is going to be one of the big losses, uh I think for this whole generation, it, I think they've already started to lose social skills with social media becoming such a dominant force um, for time and attention, if you will, for everybody. And these kids growing up, they know how to use iPhones. They know how to use, what is it now, TikTok or whatever the latest app is mm-hmm. that they're on. You know, for, for us, Facebook still feels new to me. And I'm like, why are people on Instagram? I don't get it. But... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we're crusty and old, and that whole wave has passed us by. I was just telling the kids at work, I remember getting off the school bus with a handful of Unix cards. Remember being excited that the computer could print out yeah, happy birthday. I totally remember, and I tell people that, you know, when I was in sixth grade, I was fortunate enough to be in a, a summer school enrichment program where the teacher was teaching us how to program computers and our punch cards would be set into the LAUSD mainframe downtown, and then we'd get the output a few days later. And, you know, it's, it's not like I'm uncomfortable with technology, but it's just, God. <laughs> it's, it is. It's incredible. <laughs> Too much information. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bandwidth is needed uh, to keep yourself on top of everything these days. That's for sure. I'm, I'm laughing when you're talking about those old LAUSD days. I remember, uh, you know, the big thing used to be if you were helping a teacher out, do the mimeograph, you know, with the blue copies that used to roll off a drum. <laughs> and when they got the first computer system that they were supposed to track the admin stuff, the office secretary needed help. And I remember I got the password for the whole system just by sitting around helping her figure it out. And uh, I guess those would have been the early days of hacking, but I don't really think that's hacking. I call that more social engineering, right? <laughs> I call it opportunity, crime of opportunity. The crime of opportunity. There you go. So yeah, it, it's, my neighbor said her car got broken into, and I'm like, "Did they smash the window?" She's like, "Well, no, the doors weren't locked." But and I'm like, "Well, then nobody broke in. You just a, opened your door." <laughs> that is a crime of opportunity. I remember uh, when I first got a job up in Santa Barbara. One of my coworkers had a, a beautiful Porsche, and he offered to let me take it for lunch and. I said, great, throw me the keys. And he goes, oh, the keys are uh, under the floor mat. It's open. And I couldn't believe it. (laughs) Growing up in the city, that wasn't anything that was part of our experience, right? Leaving a door unlocked. (laughs) I know. It's funny when you think like how many movies show somebody hopping in a car, movies or TV or whatever, hopping in a car and, you know, pulling the visor down and the keys drop because, you know, 
so many people would do that. That way you always know where they are. You know? <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. Unlikely for our experience. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, there's a huge difference between a city experience and a rural experience. No doubt about it. Yeah. And, and I have to be honest, there were times uh, where I was in the Navy when I used to go home with some of my shipmates to places like Alabama or Pitts, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, Malvern, Ohio, were just some of the places where my friends lived and they took me home. I just absolutely fell in love with the other side of the experience that we didn't have. You know, the whole family and cousins and home-baked bread and, and dad just brought dinner home. You know, he was out hunting the weekend before and it's in the freezer or whatever. Um, just a completely different experience. A lot of uh, self-reliance that we didn't get. We were in the city and if there was a problem, you used to just pick up the phone, right? Yeah. I remember, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'll share. When I used to love riding my bike. It was freedom. And those were the days where you always had to have a dime or a quarter with you for a payphone. And as much as I rode my bike, I never knew how to change a tire. I didn't even have an extra tire with me. And I remember one time I got a flat and all I had to do was go call mom for a ride home. And then we got it fixed at the bike shop. And the guy was just laughing at me. <laughs> That's so harsh. It's but, it's harsh, yeah. but it's true, right? We did we just that yeah. wasn't a part of our experience. It wasn't like growing up on a farm where you learned to work with tools or you did what was necessary. And so, like I said, when I got exposed to that, I was fascinated by, by everything, uh, you know, with that side of the lifestyle. And I thought about all the things that I thought it missed. But on the other side yeah. of the coin, when the ship pulled into New York City and these guys from Alabama and Georgia and Ohio got off the boat. I was a city kid telling them, walk past the first few people that are talking to us at the Port Authority. Keep your wallet in your front pocket. Don't believe anything anybody's telling you. <laughs> right? And, and don't walk around looking at the skyscrapers all day because they're going to they're gonna mark you. They're going to know that, hey, yeah. here's someone we're going after. Fresh off the boat. <laughs> hey, we're literally fresh off the boat. <laughs> uh, that's harsh. Yeah, but you know what? It served us well. We got overseas, and I, I knew to get in a cab and go far away from the docks and find a real restaurant and a bar where there were re, real people and, you know, not just what they used to call the gut, you know, the first bar or two that the ships uh, would feed everybody off to. And some guys that I knew went through their whole experience and never got past that first block from the wharf. Wow. Yeah. There's a bar. Good enough, huh? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I got to say I've been there, but I certainly enjoyed some of the experiences I had farther away from where the ship was. That's the right way to say it. That's funny. I was just saying to someone the other day how we used to live in Bandon, um, and Coos Bay was the nearest big city. Um, um, you know, people were, uh, we were talking, it was, you know, the late 80s. Oh, no, it was the early 90s. Uh, we were talking about you know, protection and being careful out there. And they were like laughing, like, well, you know, I'm sure it's a thing in LA, but you know, this is Bandon. And I'm like, yeah, and Tuesday is right up the road. And if you think that, you know, people don't come in, you know, ships don't come in, <laughs> sailors who are really glad to be hit in the port, you know, then you're crazy. And they're like, but that doesn't mean it. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's in the community. <laughs> People get around and they were like, well, it's not high school up there. <laughs> it's the real world, you know? That's it. And they thought they were so insulated because they were, you know, 
15 miles away. I remember uh, early in my career, there was a community, I'll keep names out of it, but there was a little anti-military sentiment going on at the time. This was in the mid-80s. And the base commander wanted to make a point and uh, drew everybody's payout in $2 bills at the time. And boy, did they feel the economic impact of what the base had to offer when everyone was walking around town trying to spend, you know, stacks of $2 bills. <laughs> An interesting lesson. That's right. Basic economics. Maybe for sure, Oedipus, but what the crap in Okinawa, huh? Say that again? Okinawa? Yeah, what's going on? Oh, I was saying that, like, you know, there was, like, serious anti-Navy sentiment that was, like, I mean, I know it's been going on there a long time, but, you know, just, like, reaching a boil with the um, pandemic and, you know, there was some wild Fourth of July party or something and now a ton of people are... Uh, yeah, it's all the time out there. there there's obviously uh, where the American military has been. There's obviously a significant impact on the culture and the impact on the culture. And yeah. it, it, it's a tough situation on both sides. I certainly understand that. Mm, it's crazy to be hearing that, you know. Yeah. Like, this is how it's hitting there. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. So let's let's circle back here a little bit, sis. I wanted uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, just how you've defined success for yourself and, and created a life that you're happy with, and uh, I I think it's great. I remember from the very beginning, you've always been very budget focused and and made sure that you've kept track of things financially, which is certainly one of the foundations of a happy life. I mean, if you have to worry about where your next dollar or meal is coming from, that you're not enjoying anything in your life. I think that's fair to say. Mm. Hey, am I qualified to talk on this topic? <laughs> I hope <laughs> I agree with your assessment. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's just been my perspective. And I think that, uh, you know, you've, I'll, I'll, I'll remind you there was a time when I kind of got lost with my values and you reminded me what was important, you know, when we were living together and what, you know, what were the important things to focus on? I think our father said it best, uh, right? You don't have to have money to be happy, but only a schmuck wants to be poor. Wow. I don't remember. Really? (laughs) Things like this. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I don't, I think of myself as frugal but not really terribly um, responsible financially. I, I mean, I guess I am, you know. I Well, look, you've steered the ship for your family. You guys have a house. You have cars. Your kid's well-educated on his way to college. You, you get to go on vacations. While you're not living lavishly, there's nothing really that you want for. If there's something you want, you guys work for it and save it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I definitely want to be happy, and uh, but yeah, not not um, needing to have all that. I guess I see what you're saying. Yeah. I just never really thought about it that way. I just look at it as I'm, I'm cheap and frugal. I'm looking for a good deal. I won't pay full price because my husband works hard for that money. <laughs> I'm losing. I'm losing your audio. I heard Mom was working hard for that money, but I don't. I don't know if you put it back on speaker. Keep it off speaker or talk into it right no it's not on speaker but let me that's better uh, i said 
I'm frugal and I'm cheap and I'm never paying full price for anything because my husband works hard for the money. There you go. And and that's fair. I think uh, my wife is the same way. She gets more enjoyment out of uh, a good discount found at a thrift store than, you know, if I wanted to take her into Macy's in New York, she's not interested. She wants to go to the thrift store around the block and she loves showing off a good deal or jeans she's wearing or something. And everybody says, ooh, and ah, and I only got them for $5. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying the little things. Yeah. Well, to me, to me, that's always a good one because I think a lot of people don't understand that, that you can be happy at any time in your life, even without the big things that you may be working towards. But accepting I think acceptance, what you have, what your situation is, and finding ways to make it right. I mean, we said it earlier, but as, as kids growing up, I mean, at, at a time when our mom was a single mom, I never knew that there was, we were missing anything in life. We had a great life. We had great friends. We used to, she used to take us on trips to places that I remember vividly, you know, whether it was the zoo yeah, or Alvera Street. We were. We were happy. And it had nothing to do with the financial situation. Too many people nowadays, I think, base happiness on, you know, the balance of uh, the checkbook, so to speak. Yeah. Although, I mean, it's true, you know, it may not, uh, money may not be able to buy you happiness, but, you know, you can sure be very comfortable. So when you're not uncomfortable and you see other people being comfortable, you could be unhappy. Yeah. I mean, I get why people are obsessed with money, even though I'm not. I kind of don't agree it's healthy and all. I can see it. You can, it's control. You know, you can do what you want when you have it. Well, yeah, it is certainly, it is control. I don't know control. I, I'd say more it's freedom or it's power, right? Money gives you the, the freedom or the power to do things like if you want to stake out your own place on 40 acres and turn the music up and not have a neighbor yell at you, you can. So, okay, that's yep. a form of happiness. And I would certainly like to be able to go buy a ranch somewhere. And I also like living where I don't have to have uh, environmental support like air conditioning or heating. <laughs> so I guess there's trade-offs for everything. Yeah. What a novel idea. Yeah. You know, just by the beach, you don't really have to worry about that, do you? <laughs> no, no, we don't. I, we were just talking about that this morning uh, with some of the guys at work. And it, it's nice on the worst days here. We just have to sleep with the windows open and, uh, you know, we'll do okay. It's pretty temperate here. And I always say I don't want to have to have a second or a third wardrobe. So things like that are just <laughs> how I define my happiness. When we first moved up here, we would come home from work and change into tank tops and shorts and go barefoot around the house, just like when we lived in Southern California. And uh, people would walk into our house and be like, man, it's warm in here, and you know, start taking off their coats and scarves and sweaters. And a couple of electric bills later, we're like, oh, we have to wear sweaters now. <laughs> <laughs> and socks around the house and not change into shorts after work because we were still doing that even when it got colder because I was just the way we rolled. You know? <laughs> right. That's that's exactly it. I'm wearing shorts and uh, flip-flops for the last three months here. Yeah, it's nice when it's like that up here, you know, when summer comes and the heat comes and I can 
put on shorts and tank tops every day and print up the music. My son's friend was like, well, you're in a good mood. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's warm. The windows are open. Got bare feet. Getting that vitamin D. Yep. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Like I said, taking joy in the little things. That's what it's all about. You know, I send pictures of my flowers because they make me so happy every day. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got an incredible garden. Yeah, you've got a backyard, and you do. We we keep in touch uh, via text and words, I guess, right? Yeah. Have a constantly running game series and a morning text with our mom, so everybody checks in, which is funny because I remember a time when we used to get scolded about texting her. <laughs> She would definitely prefer phone calls, but the other day she called me and I picked up and said, oh, I thought it was going to go to voicemail. <laughs> Our habits change. I was sharing the memory how exciting it was when answering machines first came out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now the thought of even taking a call or, or having to deal with a tape or something, it's just, a, it's a different world. Thanks so much. Ian was born in, you know, 2003, and he was, are you there? I can't hear you now. Yeah. Oh, there you are. <laughs> um, not him, but a lot of his generation grew up holding phones, you know, a very young age, and learning how to, learning how to, you know, be all into the technology their whole life growing up. Yeah, I, I, re I remember just being excited that technology was coming and like we talked about getting our hands on it early, but they're they're growing up with it. And uh, well, he was just at a summer camp where they were building like a Mars rover mission or something. It's incredible. Yeah, I was virtual camp. It was supposed to be a one-week residential camp so that, you know, it could be with other people, but instead it was a virtual camp, so that kind of sucked, but yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, More of the COVID uh, It is talk. incredible that they, I mean, I, you know, like when you think about it, at least uh, we do have, even though I'm not a fan, social media and the ability to conference call and FaceTime and you know, talk and text and email because can you imagine if we'd had to like do this shutdown when we were kids? Well, it's funny. I, I couldn't and it would be a very different world, obviously. But I was just talking to some friends about this. For the kids, I was suggesting just pretend like you're in space, right? You're on a spaceship, you're going somewhere and at least they have communication with their other friends that are on other spaceships. And that's kind of the bubble yeah. that you're in, you know, be creative and uh, have some fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> but they get tired of that game, I'm sure, pretty quick. Yeah. It was breaking my heart when mom was telling me about Amber's kids throwing a tantrum because she can't go see her great grandma. Oh, that is sad. So sad. And I said, well, why don't you? I said, why don't you guys stay to FaceTime? She said, oh, it's even worse because, you know, then she can see me, but she can't, you know, hug me. And she just starts crying. And why not, girl? Why? Why, Gigi? Well, that is that is a fantastic point because there's been 
well-documented studies on the need for human touch or, or even yeah. primates to have that sense of touch. So yeah, that's, that's another form of deprivation we haven't spoken about given our current situation and how that's going to impact them. At least they know their great-grandparents and they have time with them. And hopefully soon again, they'll be able to hold them. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> it is. That's, but way, to, way to keep it cheery and positive, sis. <laughs> we went there yeah we went there all right let's let's get off it what what is there to learn from all of this <sighs> man family's important family is important that's exactly right and and i am so happy that you are my family i uh in preparation for this call i was thinking about just some of our first memories together like we mentioned the camera incident <laughs> You want you want to oh, we'll share? Go in there. Oh no, I was just <laughs> circling back here. We don't have to go there. Well, we had a very um happy young childhood. Um our mom was a single mom. Our, our parents were getting divorced when I think I was like maybe two and a half or three. And uh so Dan is a year older and my mom's attention was greatly sought. <laughs> after and we would wake up in the morning and run to her room and jump into bed with her and one morning she was on a very important call and so she was on one side of the bed and I think I made it there first and Dan shoved me aside what <laughs> I, I think the story's getting changed me. in the recounting here <laughs> and so I was very angry at not being able to snug up next to my mom and I stormed out of the room and as I walked into our room because we shared a room I saw a Fisher Price wooden camera on the floor and in a blind rage I picked it up went back in the other room and whacked my brother over the head and <laughs> dented his forehead between his brow. I, I'll say I still bear the scars of that incident. You should have just let me be next to mom. I should have. That's right. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't have any reasoning back. And I didn't know what a demon I my admit, sister was yet. I didn't yet. use my words. You didn't use your words, yeah. And for those that don't aren't old enough, I guess we should say the little wooden toy camera was like basically a block in the days before there were child safety. So there were sharp edges. <laughs> It was. It was a hunk of wood. It, it was just a hunk of wood. I a strap on it, and I swung it and whacked you. Oh, you wailed that thing like Thor swinging a hammer. <laughs> and it was It was right before Christmas, so after. That's right. It was memorialized. After. <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> well, my sister laughs. I'll just I'll share the story that there is a Christmas picture of her uh, pouting and me trying to smile with this bloody scar between my eyes on Santa's lap. It's part of the prize collection for our family. There may be a slightly defiant aspect to my expression in the photo. I think a slightly defiant uh, bent that's been there your whole life, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who could have seen it coming? Who could have seen it coming? 
And and the funniest part of this whole story, like I said, she's been my first friend, oh. is in spite of all of that. <laughs> with friends like this. Yeah, with friends like this. I'm a, am I going to have to bring you down in the mix, sis? Are you okay there? <laughs> I was going to say that I still had oh. that, uh, that brotherly instinct to look after my sister. I think my mom uh, told us soon after... We were, uh, we, we used to go to preschool together, but we were separated by a fence. They had the younger kids and on oh, one yeah. side, right? And, and what did your big I brother was do? I so sad. Yeah. I was so sad to be like caged off from you and you came. I came as, as far as I could to the fence and I, and I was trying to look out as best I could for my little sis. And I was telling those younger kids to give you some room. Remember? <laughs> I just remember being at the fence and like crying and then you came over and it was better. Yeah. Well, like I said, you've been there for me. I'm glad I've been there for you too. Oh, bro. You make me cry again. Oh, that wasn't the intent. Just having good memories and talking about them. <laughs> I must say, you <laughs> We've we've had you know good and not so good memories, but I wouldn't have thought that um, you would consider this with the camera incident a good memory. Oh, you know what? It's just a, a funny memory, and I, I think the right way to say it is: it's funny how our brains work. It's such a powerful memory that when I started thinking about getting on this call with you, I couldn't help but that one coming up to the surface. Is that the right way to say it? So, what was your interpretation of the events? Um, happy little boy sitting next to his mom, sister comes and wants something like, what? Get out of here. Sister comes back and whacks me. (laughs) I think if we went to the tape, that'd be a little closer to what actually happened. (laughs) So, um, my friend's, uh, kid's the older one like distinctly remembers and the parents say it was like really bad when the younger son came along. And I'm just wondering, do you remember like them telling you you're going to have a sister or they probably didn't even know until I was born, huh? (laughs) Well, they, they, I think they didn't know that you were going to be a little girl or maybe they did, but don't you remember like how excited I was that you were in my life and Right. I didn't even have the words. That's how you got the nickname Coco, right? (laughs) I was drinking hot chocolate. I was just so happy. Coco, Coco, Coco. (laughs) And they thought that was cute, right? So, and you continued to be happy about it until the camera incident? I, you know, that's funny because there were certainly times in school and, and the way I like to think about it, and I don't know how you think about it, but being a year within each other, as we grew up, there were times when we were defining ourselves or finding our own selves, if you will. And we were in separate groups that didn't necessarily always socialize together, but there was always that connection. And so even, even when we weren't the best of friends, I mean, I always felt like we were there for each other against anybody else, even though we would still fight with each other or had our own little battles. Right. Yeah. I'd like to think that's the way. You know, for a long time, I, it sounds awful, but I didn't, like, really value having an older brother. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> but, um, and I always felt like, you know, I was like under the weight of being Danny's little sister. Sure. And people expecting like, you know, me to be like you. And I feel like, you know, like I said, we're really different. You were really outgoing and charismatic and I was not, you know, <laughs> it was just not uncomfortable. Matt was saying the other day, sorry, folks, Matt, my husband was saying the other day that you, you know, that I have lots of friends. And I said, no, you know, my brother introduced me to a lot of people. Oh, see that, that's, that's true. I did introduce you to a lot of people, but I look back and, and you did have a lot of friends. You had, you know, you had your group of girlfriends that you had gone to school with your whole lives and, and you had connections with, uh, your friends that were without saying names, you know, the ones that were into hockey or the ones that were into the movies, their fathers were special effects people or camera people and producers and musicians and stuff. So you had a lot of friends, I think more than you give yourself credit for. I just feel like, excuse me. I just feel like a lot of my, a lot of the social contacts that I had, I would not have had if you had not introduced me to people to begin with, because I feel like I would have been the girl in the library looking down at a book and nobody would have ever noticed me except you introduce me to people. Oh, so folks, what I'm getting here is that I'm about to get blamed. I, I feel like I'm getting sucked into a trap here. <laughs> oh, okay. no. So I'm going to have to be blamed for uh, the path astray that she was led down by all the people I introduced her to. Is that where this is going? Oh, you know, it wasn't. I was just thinking, I'm, you know, glad that you got me out of my shell, but that we're really different people. Yeah. But well, now that you mention it. <laughs> I was just going to dial back real quick to say that I don't think we're so different. I remember those lovely summer days in the 70s that we used to go down to the library together and just spend hours sharing books and our favorite authors, reading science fiction for the first time, and then walking home. Right. Yeah, that's true. We do both love to read. So so not so different, but certainly uh, some interesting times since then, that's for sure. I'd like to point out that you were the one who... <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Oh, my tree is a creaking. I should get out from under here. Okay, well... Is your audio picking that up? Audio picks everything up. So yeah, this is this has been exciting and interesting. <laughs> Good talking to you, bro. As always. So I just want to thank you, sis, for taking the time and, and hold on for a second as we wrap this up. But uh, let's continue to make our community a better place. Give a smile, share what you have, help where you can, and give someone the benefit of the doubt. Assume goodwill random act of kindness and all that stuff in our next episode we'll have some more special guests and i'm sure you'll be entertained so please follow just flapping about on facebook subscribe give us a comment let me know if you have any guests or topics that you'd like to hear us talk about in the future and sis thanks for being here thanks bro. for being my first guest yeah Aww, thanks bro yeah give my love to everybody you have some editing to do huh <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Have fun with that. All right. I'm happy to help. All right. Love then. you, man. Love you.